Right, well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. We are on NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio, and Brian. Mike, that was a tiny hello. I should have should have built it a little harder for you. Give me another big one. Big win yesterday. Big win. Big win. Deserves a big hello. Yeah, big win against the Hawks. Um, necessary win. Uh, what we're going to do today, quick little rundown of what we'll do today. We're going to talk about the two Hawks games, the the mini playoff series, mid-season playoff series yeah. with the Hawks. Um, we'll then get to a, a voicemail, some emails from you guys, and then something that I have been working on for weeks now that I'm so excited about. Uh, it is technically sort of the quarter point in the season. Uh, so we are going to do a sort of killer comparisons, quarter point grades Using Star Wars, um, yeah. it's in vogue. Did you see the first Hawks game? It was like Star Wars Night or whatever. There's, yes, there's Star Wars cross promotion all over the place. So you know, Disney approached us, and who are we <laughs> playing now? Just kidding. I love that you said it. Star Wars is in vogue. Like yeah. it, that would also then mean that it's it's out of vogue or whatever vogue means. Brian, time time. yo, yeah, come, dude, so exciting, big win. Yeah. Um, give, give me your give me give me your feelings and thoughts because you know we had talked beforehand. So our pre-show meeting on Friday, when we first discussed doing the show, we had said that if they lost both games, that would be horrible. The Nets losing both games. If they win both games, that would be great. And if they split them, that would essentially confirm that this team is sort of what they are. And that's what. Um, that was yeah. That's I mean that's pretty unscientific, but we we did decide that. <laughs> um, well, I don't think we've even potted since the Dallas game, or maybe before the Dallas game. Did we talk about that at all? Did we talk about the Dallas game? Ancient history at this point. I don't even remember. I remember I just, enjoying all I remember, it. All I remember is just talking a mountain of s about uh, Dwight Powell, who I just spiritually don't like. And then I talked to a friend of ours who's um, a Mavericks fan, and apparently it's a bit of a meme to hate on Dwight Powell. So. We fell lockstep with. You had a great, you had a great sort of, I guess, analogy or description of. Who <laughs> yeah, I haven't Powell really is. rounded it out yet. It's not complete, but it's just like, I, when I watch him play basketball, it's like I, I feel like <laughs> this is a weird thing to say. I love it. I feel like it's like how my mom would visualize a basketball <laughs> player. Like she was just like, you know, thinking about them, but not watching them. It's just like his head's too small, his body's too big. It's this weird. He doesn't have a ton of like basketball skills. He just. He just seems like a default, like generated character, and his his name is kind of a default generated name, like Dwight Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell. <laughs> that sounds like an athlete. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I, I have to I have to hone that joke, but there's something there, I think. Yeah. So Hawks game. Uh, yeah. Disappointing to lose at home to the Hawks. Fine to win on the road. General yeah. thoughts. Your feelings. That game was thoughts? super annoying because we were having company over on. That was a Friday. And I had to go run errands right at halftime. I tried to plan it, and then I came back, and we were, you know, it was midway through the third quarter, and things had gotten close, and it seemed like everyone in Barclays Center was all hyped up, and Jared Allen was dunking on people. And then right when I got home, they're like, "Oh, Brian's home. Time to start sucking again." And then from then on, nothing <laughs> good happened. Not a single good thing happened. So I had to go back and watch it just for that five minutes of positivity. 
Um, that was it. I mean, my my big takeaway from the two games is that Jared Allen is dunking on people. Last yeah. night's game, he had, what, like four in a row dunks or whatever it was, that all of them were fun and different, and him spreading his legs as he's dunking, him getting aggressive with an alley-oop. Beautiful. St- oh, this is the only thing he needs to do. All he needs to do is throw down some yams. He went to the yeah. farmer's market and got some yams. And it was beautiful, Brian. So I looked at the uh, the minutes distribution last night. Uh, <laughs> Jared Allen had 20 minutes for the first time Nerd. in maybe his career. Wait, I actually have to. I should confirm that. I'll get back to that. But the real one is Levert playing 30 minutes. Like any yes. any Sean Kilpatrick playing 15 minutes, just give that all to Levert. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Sean oh, no. Kilpatrick. I feel bad, man, because I don't know if you saw. Like Kilpatrick tweeted something on Thursday or Friday. Not that he listens to our podcast, but he should. That he was something like. It was something sort of that athlete motivational quote be like, we'll get through the bad times, basically saying he's in the bad times at the moment. Something yeah. of that vein. But it's it's obvious that he shouldn't be playing basketball, and I think that they should be considering that spot on the team be going to Milton Doyle or someone else who's maybe out there that they have an eye towards. Not- Here's the thing. I feel like Sean Kilpatrick, you know, I, I think he's a great guy. I think I love him as a person, whatever. But like a person with that, I mean, he plays like he's 34, right? He's got, he's pretty stuck to the ground. He's he's not a, uh, a a lively body, and he really needs to be like that position. Like our the way that we just play basketball, it's just it feels like it's from our previous. It's like a Lionel Hollins player or something. I know he wasn't. Yeah, but like, it just feels like an, sense. like from our old. He's the inverse of Tony Allen. He's right. no defense, all offense, but like it's not even like he's not doesn't reach the heights of Tony Allen's defense. It's just sort of like right. he's this um, guy. But it's and and so like our identity is this, you know, we're just scrap dogging around and he is kind of not a scrap dogger. Uh you're you're not gonna expect him to be, you know, really, you know, slapping the the court and like, you know, diving around and stuff. He just doesn't do it. Um and he's fighting for his very NBA life. And and he's really it doesn't it just doesn't seem like he's exerting the kind of energy that one needs to to kind of survive the um, the the current you know slump that he's in right now. Well, and I wonder if they're keeping him on the roster because they maybe have some kind of trade that they're working on. I think the date is December fifteenth when free agents can be traded. All free agents that were signed in the summer. Yeah. So. I wonder if because his salary is so low, I think he's an expiring contract. I may be wrong, but if he's not, it's not like his deal would be that big anyways. I wonder if they're kind of keeping him on the roster until then, seeing if yeah. they can make a trade of some kind. Because he's not not valuable, but he's not a negative to a team where you can just put him on your bench and let him play eight minutes a game and score eight points or whatever, whatever you yeah. want him to do. And, and he can fit into any trade. Which the Nets have a ton of dudes like that. It it seems quite likely at this point that they'll call him Milton Doyle. That it just it just feels like a thing that'll happen. Well, they need to make a decision because I don't think Milton Doyle's on a two way contract, and they need like I no, am, he's not, and he's balling. I guarantee you, other people are calling him up. I'm fearful that Milton will get scooped up. I know we're like the two biggest Milton heads in the world, but like I think if you have this guy who. I spotted, we spotted in Summer League of being sort of an interesting, he's actually what you want Kilpatrick to be, right? Exactly. Yeah, like, it's the exact thing that you want. A guard scorer who can do a little bit of fun stuff mid-range-wise and you know, kind yeah. of put it on the floor a little bit. You have this little asset, this protected little baby out on Long Island on Nassau County, and you, you, you can't let him get away for the risk of keeping someone like Sean Kilpatrick. 
You just can't do it. Um, yep. So I, I will be interested to see when December 15th comes up, 10 days from now, we're scoring this on December 5th, what <laughs> movement happens with this team? Because there's a, there's a lot of parts that they could decide, let's try to get rid of that, let's bring stuff in, let's get some guys in. I doubt that Marks is just content with this team. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Before we get into like who to trade or whatever, I do. I do yeah, want to. I, I don't. I don't want to. We literally take... talked about before. I literally said before. I can't. We can't <laughs> yeah. talk about trades because it's just, just you, like, Mike. That's just how you think. I know That's it's your... too much. I'm sorry. Um, but I don't want to take the spotlight off of the positive, which is Jared Allen is percolating, and his. Uh, it's. Um, it's all the thing, the things that you want to see. So basically, the reason that he's doing well is because he's being able to space himself properly. Finally, he's taking time to roll. He's not just you know, dive bombing the rim and expecting somebody to lob it to him. He's hedging the defender, you know, creating a, you know, uh, difficult decisions for, for the people that are guarding him. So he's becoming a real roller with Levert and there they've got a good thing going. So just having Levert play pure point guard, which we talked about maybe like three weeks ago and it seems to actually be happening. So somebody's listening. <laughs> somebody's listening. He's playing backup point now, like pretty much exclusively I mean, with Dinwiddie's going to go do that when when D'Angelo comes back. Although we do have a voicemail, which I'll touch on that um, little tease for you. But um, Very the reason done. that Jared Allen is doing so well is because, or like fostering that that chemistry with Levert is because he's just slightly more patient. Just just that extra half a second of distance between the defenders is is really creating enough space to just hammer dunk things. Well, and it's like so. It seems easy, like we kind of talked about sort of the, um, you know, my theory that there's a, we build up uh, sort of ideas of how we should be playing basketball based on the phrase that they're called. So the blocks and lobs, we think it sounds easy. It's an easy way to play basketball, um, but it's not easy. Like, right? Like you, to actually set a pick, roll to the rim, dunk it is not an easy process. That's actually about four different movements that you have to sort of master in this little moment. And Jared Allen... I mean, he, there's still a lot of apprehension there. Uh, this last game was awesome just because he was aggressively slamming baskets down. And, like, it's sort of like having good foul balls. Like, in baseball, if you hit a really strong foul ball, people are saying, oh, maybe he's going to come back and start hitting the ball in, the, in fair territory and there'll be great hits. In basketball, like, I know slamming the ball stronger doesn't mean anything. Like, that doesn't equate to more points. There's no extrapolation to be done. But in just my enjoyment of the guy, of my feeling that he's confident on the floor, it's a little body language doctor. Do dunking the ball hard at the rim shows me confidence. He's got he's got a little like Dennis Rodman, um, like my personality is stifled. Like there's there's something like, I, I wouldn't don't know. like I would I go like the gonna opposite way and have like nipple piercings and stuff. You, do you <laughs> think Jared Allen? Wow, Allen's gonna have like that that you know ego death and like rebirth thing that we <laughs> almost have to have Jared Allen on the pod just to, here's, to ask about that. Here's a marketing, marketing, marketing thing for you. You know how Please. you talked about like three and D and and blocks and lobs. Jared Allen stroked a three confidently. How about this? Blocks, lobs, and threes. A BLT player. Ooh, Brian, mark it down. <laughs> I just do. That's that's literally the Porzingis model, right? He's a BLT player. Yes, a BLT. Come on. Oh my God, Brian, you got to put that on the internet stat. <laughs> Twitter fired up, dude. Get it revved up. Um, I there there's so much like just to enjoy out of that win last night, but then it's like, how much are you still holding on to the the loss against them at against the Hawks? Because it's like. It still perturbs me the fact that that even happened because I hold the Nets in higher esteem than to lose to the Hawks at all. I think the Hawks are terrible. 
And I understand that Luke Babbitt went off against the Nets. But, like, in in reality, if if we're establishing higher goals for this team than being a bottom six team, if they're going to be in that nice, cushy middle, uh, not playoffs, but, like, kind of respectable and heading in the right direction, they should have won both of those games. Those should be two games that they win. They have enough Here's, veterans on this team that, that that is of a level of importance. That shows uh, a like pretty significant evolution in our thinking about this team. Keep in mind, like if I had told you, hey, this team without its two best players, Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo Russell, sh- is expected to beat the worst teams in the league, you'd be like, oh, okay, so this team is actually kind of good. Sure. No, I that that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, they I, but I do have that elevated sense of that they are that they should be better than the worst teams in the league. I also think Atlanta is just horrible. That Dennis Schroeder is your best player, and your second best player on the team is—I couldn't even name him. Maybe I don't know. I, I I couldn't even go down that list. Ken Bazemore is supposed to be. But what do you think of the um, <clears throat> Alan Crabb spaz out at the end of the uh, game? Did you see this? Did you hear about this? What? So he uh, Alan Crabb got ejected after we were up like twenty-five or something at the end of the fourth quarter. It was like three minutes to go, and he went three for eight, which is, you know, whatever. It's a it's an Allen medium, game. A medium game. And yeah. uh, he took the ball and he fired it across the court. Uh, and it hit the uh, shot clock on the other side of the court. And um, he got ejected. And I don't know why he did that. Because there wasn't anything <laughs> particularly... Um, like he was getting in foul trouble, I guess. And maybe that was it. But um, Is the goal to I, get thrown out of this game so he doesn't have to go on the Mexico trip? Like or, he can go on the Mexico trip but doesn't have to play? <laughs> I think I think maybe an assistant coach pulled him aside and was like, "Alan, you have to do something to let them know that you exist. Like you have to do, you have to. <laughs> like, otherwise, nobody's gonna think about you or talk about you. So fire that ball across the court or something. Act crazy." All right, let's get to our little voice message here. This is from uh, emailer. <laughs> I I believe it's from Seth, but his email it is from Seth, uh, but his email is S- Seth and Beth. I won't complete the rest of it. But that is adorable if you're also then married to someone named Beth. But here we go. Here's Seth for you. Hey, guys. Uh, three uh, hot, hot takes here. Uh, one is, I know you guys know about marketing. Don't you think that any official marketing material that comes from the Nets has to have a picture of Jared Allen in it, no matter what, just as a rule? Number two, when D'Angelo Russell comes back Shouldn't he start at the two, leave Dinwiddie starting at point guard? Do you agree? Number three, nickname for Spencer Dinwiddie, Din Winning. All right. Thank you, Seth. Um, Okay. Three things. Well, two real questions in there. One is Jared Allen on all marketing profiles. And Spencer Dinwiddie, should he be the full-time point guard when D'Angelo comes back? Brian, which one do you want to take first? Um, I know that Jared Allen's marketability will skyrocket once he dyes his hair and and gets some nipple rings. Um, (laughs) Aside from that, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. It might be a bit early for for your um, layman Nets fan to, you know, identify correctly Jared Allen. but we're getting there. We're getting there. I, you know, if this if this growth continues, like you know, lead with the fro thing. Everyone loves a fro. They really, you know, center around it. They they sell fake fros and stuff. It's a whole thing um, that happens from time to time. <laughs> so so that's your angle. That's your end. I would um, like to see go deeper with the fro. I would like snow cones to be sold. 
with uh, well, sort black, of black yeah, jelly bean flavored li- jelly bean uh, fla- licorice flavored <laughs> snow cones. Um, you could do sort of those like uh, pastry treats that look like little little balls that you would buy from like Little Debbie products. There's those things that you could be sold and bought. Um, just go further. I don't further. know what that is. What you're talking about? Um, oh, the snow cone. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I'll 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 send you the. You link just want to candy. It. You just want free candy. I just That's want free candy. Um, second, so so this is actually an interesting question. Obviously, is the Dinwiddie is he the full time point guard for this team? Um, do you, what's your assessment? Even when D'Angelo comes back, which we still don't know, and the Nets are still refusing to be completely honest with the team. Um, I would say yes, if it weren't for the, um, I mean, we have so many like combo guard ish type players. Um, like, I don't know. It's, it's a difficult question. I mean, like, it's hard to argue that Spencer Dinwiddie isn't like you want him to get those 30 minutes. Like he is definitely breaking out and it's just good for everybody for his value and skills to just increase. Well, and like Um, I have, so coming up in our Star Wars sort of killer comparisons, quarter season's great. I have some interesting, lovely stats about Spencer Dinwiddie as your point guard. But like D'Angelo, before he got hurt, we had amazing stats about him. He was doing things that no one uh, at his age level had done since on the level of like James Harden and people like that. Right. Um, And who's more effective off the ball? That's Spencer Dinwiddie makes more sense off the ball. Like I don't think D'Angelo, even as good as he will end up hopefully being, I still think ultimately he's going to be guy with the ball. He's going to be that dude on the team. Yeah. Um, he's not going to be someone who's like you can just sort of plop on any team. He's going to have to kind of be the center of the universe a little bit. Dinwiddie, I think, can be off the ball. I mean, he's shooting thirty nine percent from three. Um, he's a good defender. He he's he has lived his life in the NBA as not having the ball. So mm-hmm. he's grown accustomed to having to find his spots. I'm but, well, what were you going to say? Well, but he should have the ball. I mean, his, that assist to turnover ratio is tight dog. It's and, super tight, uh, super awesome. So like, he's the natural backup point guard. I think he's like, I mean, it's just, it's, we're in a weird place because like we have all of our best players are kind of at that <clears throat> weird combo too tall to play point guard position. Um, that's a good thing and a bad thing, so long as like they can, that they can, you know, be dynamic and work off of each other. Like here, like the sec, like the second lineup is going to have. There's gonna, I would say that they're like we don't really have set lineups anyhow. Right. So I would expect a lot of just interspersing Dinwiddie and Lavert and D'Angelo Russell into any combination of players, just so that there's some kind of offensive catalyst. Yeah, but I would. I Did still the train th- just go by? What the hell was I it? Don't, no, there, there's craziness outside my apartment. There always is. Um, I, th- I think that, like, in the end, though, as good as Dinwiddie has been running the team, the, the, the level that you're going to get from D'Angelo is higher. Like, I think if they had D'Angelo Russell for the past whatever games that he's been out, they would have won three more of those games. They would have won that game against Portland that they lost. I think they would have won that Hawks game at home. And there probably would have been one more in there that they would have snuck in and won. Um, I just – I don't think I, – I don't I love Spencer Dinwiddie. And I love that he's become such a great asset for this team. Super cheap contract. Extremely efficient. Great dude. blah 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 But D'Angelo was better. Like, I, I still believe that even the efficiencies on D, uh, Dinwiddie's side, D'Angelo is a better player. And will elevate his game to higher levels than Dinwiddie's going to be able to hit. 
and you got to yeah. give D'Angelo the ball. Like, what are we going to do? Giving uh, Dinwiddie the starting point guard position and moving D'Angelo off the ball is stunting D'Angelo's growth, and I don't. I think that's sort of short-sighted, essentially. Yeah. And I love, yeah. I love them two going to be on the floor. To, like once that happens, it's going to be awesome to have yeah. those two back on the floor together with the growth that Dinwiddie's had. Oh my God, that's going to be so exciting for this. We team. should just quickly um, spotlight Karis LeVert for a second. Seems like he is he is is going to turn the the uh, the curve here on, or turn the corner on on his sophomore slump, as they say. Right, but I will say I do. There's still like uh, it's he's playing better, but he's not playing great. Right, like I think he had a nice game against Atlanta last night. That was a very confident looking game. He was hitting. The stupid shots that he used to make that he's been like really that look terrible when you miss, but are okay. You can live with them when they go in. Well, like, uh, and I think in November he shot 44% from the field and 33% from three, which yeah. is like, so, and th- that's not like amazing, but that's fine for a guard who by far the best percentages he's ever shot. Yeah. So. And way better from where it started. Um, <laughs> but like, um, he's yeah. not, he, I actually I wanted I wish that was his starting point this season and then he improved upon that as opposed to starting shooting like 20% from the field but um yeah. um so quick let's do some business stuff um just wanted to do shout out to Flatbush and Atlantic we're going to do an ugly sweater contest the instructions what? we haven't really figured out you got to see these ugly sweaters they are ugly uh no they're great um you're going to love them um but we are figuring out how exactly we're going to do this giveaway game thing. But we'll tweet out the instructions. It's going to do. It's going to have something to do with voicemail. So fire up your microphones um, and get ready for that. Uh, and also, we should mention we should do a little word from our sponsors right here. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So that was good. A little word from our sponsors. How about that, Mike? And let's get a word from one of our other listeners here. Let me just pull up his email real quick. This is from Mark Rodriguez, emailing us at netspot at gmail. If we could receive one skill as a team, which one do we need the most? A penetrator, a rim protector, a defensive wing, or an instant scorer? Which one would best help our team? Brian, Yeah, what I does mean, this team need the most? It, uh, it had been a rim protector, and now Jared Allen seems to be ready and willing to step up into that role. Um, that, that would be my take. You're, start, you're starting to see the, the beginning of an actual rim protector player. Um, he does it a lot, even at a higher, uh, or he's much, much better at it already than Tyler Zeller will probably ever be. Um, <laughs> yeah. not, not to say that it's, it's, that it's great or it's super consistent, but you can see game after game, the timing's getting better. His, the, I was thinking about this too. And I wonder if, if Fro is part of the illusion that he's much taller than he is. Um, I think that, 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 that if you've ever played basketball against someone who's, who's really tall, it just really messes you up. It's not, it's not that, um, it's, it's, well, it's I don't, I don't think he's seven feet. Overall, right? I think he's shorter than no. seven feet, but he does have like added like four inches with this fro. And he he's got a tremendous wingspan, big hands. We all know that. Um, his yeah. body isn't like uh, very slight, which I then that's a good thing, right? Like there's I got can't some really understand what his body is. It's all very deceptive. <laughs> I haven't. I don't really. I can't figure it out exactly. I think it's just it's confusing everybody, and that's part of why it's working so well. You know? Yeah, and I'm with you that it's got to be a rim protector. And that could be Jared Allen, but like, I there's still moments when this team isn't like completely locked in defensively, and it's partly because other teams can get in the lane and do what they want against yeah. the Nets. Um, 
but but you don't need to import a, a rim protector because you're just not there's no one out there that's worth importing and you do have Jared Allen um we had a uh, email about DeAndre Jordan a while back from somebody I'll find it and shout you out um but yeah is people are talking about DeAndre Jordan being on so, on the block oh wait here it is it's uh Cherboy Useland um at uh at netspot at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. We love you guys. We're going to start reading more emails again, too. Sorry, we've been we've been slacking with that because we're just enamored with voicemail technology. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, DeAndre Jordan could fix a lot of problems, he says, on the defensive end. Um, but uh, I don't know. Is that something? I, it doesn't sound like we would have necessarily what they would want. Um, well, you could offer – I think you could offer the, the Toronto pick that you're going to be getting um, – from the Raptors, which is sort of like the subplot that we, we haven't really talked about the fact that we need to be watching the Raptors record a lot more closely than we are. Uh, right now the Raptors records, I think is like pretty darn good. So that pick is not that great. Mm-hmm. I would want Deandre Jordan literally only for the fact that he seems to be the most beloved person in the NBA and that other players absolutely seem like they want to play with him. Like yeah. he, he is the name mentioned in almost every article done by Lee Jenkins when other players are talking about who the who they like in the league as just as a human everyone mentions DeAndre Jordan everyone seems to hang out with DeAndre Jordan when they go to LA and they play the Clippers um the, he had the whole Dallas debacle and you don't really hear hate for DeAndre Jordan he just seemed to be it's pure love at this point mm-hmm. It's almost like I don't want Calipari, but it's like why you would want Calipari because he could bring in guys, you would think. You would think he could almost recruit NBA players. I want DeAndre Jordan only because that he seems to be this magnet for <laughs> NBA sure. players and that sure. if he can come to Brooklyn and make Brooklyn an attractive destination for some just one superstar, then he's worth whatever you whatever it would be. I don't know what the the theoretical trade though with the right. Nets would be. Well, and keep in mind he's got a player option next year. Um so you would assume he takes that or whatever because <clears throat> there's not a ton of teams with a bunch of money. Um, there's not a ton of teams with a bunch of money. And like the other hidden thing about that is that this draft, there's like five centers, with yeah. five good centers, so, you know, projected to be high-level centers. Um, so, like, I don't know if DeAndre Jordan – one, he just hired his agent again, which is also something. Wojnowski reported this, and I think it's official – DeAndre didn't have an agent for two years, and now he has hired an agent, which is mm-hmm. obviously an interesting move for someone who is on a team right now whose name is being mentioned in trade rumors. Um, would I want the Nets to go after him? Literally the only thing I'd want them to ever give up would be, like, Kilpatrick and smaller pieces. Um, I heard a, uh, uh, I heard something about Doc Rivers liking, liking Lynn last summer uh, after Chris Paul was, uh, had, had left. And that would make sense if, you know, if they had, uh, if they had Lynn, but the Nets ter- currently don't have a Lynn to trade, right? Right. Um, well, and also I don't think, again, this is kind of this is sort of a lazy thing to say, but I'll say it. I wouldn't think Joseph Sy would want to trade Jeremy Lynn. You just no. That's just a natural thing. If if I owned a team, I wouldn't want to trade Jeremy Lynn. The value of Jeremy Lin is more than ba- on the basketball court. He's a good dude. Everything he brings on the marketing, marketing, marketing side, we understand that people in the Nets organization seem to like marketing, marketing, marketing. Um, so 
I don't know. I don't think I don't know if they would trade him unless if Sean Marks was so overwhelmed by other, another team's trade offer that he was just like he went to management and said like, "Listen, this is ridiculous. I need to. We just need to make this happen." Um, okay, that's it. Um, cool. Let's get to the Star Wars. Ba-ba-da-ba-ba. So, <laughs> if you didn't listen to the beginning of this episode, let me explain the game for you today. <laughs> yeah. If you just skip to the 40-minute mark of this episode. <laughs> um, we are giving out quarter-season grades, but we do not want to give it out in a way that is boring and standard. So, what we will do is we will grade players and compare them to each of the Star Wars movies that have been made. <clears throat> Um, the only one that I did not include was the Christmas special that was on TV, um, I think, between Empire and Return of the Jedi, uh, partly because I respect Nets players too much to compare them to that debacle, Brian. Wow. Um, so, do you want to start from the bottom or do you want to start from the top? Let's start from the top. Okay. Or we can start from the bottom. Let's start from the bottom. I think the bottom makes sense. Okay. My... So- Let's yes. just preface it with this. Mike ranked these things because Mike likes to rank things, and he has very strong opinions about which Star Wars movies are better than others, and so he's going to um, make a lot of those kinds of associations, whereas <laughs> I'm just going on actual content of the films themselves. As a uh, graduate of Syracuse Film School, I go a little bit neighbor. <laughs> just, uh, just kidding. Jerk. I, <laughs> that, that's actually the voice you think with, though, right? That is that is my inner monologue, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I just just to mix things up. I'm sure it's probably similar because like some things are just empirically bad, and and like you, it's easier to work in you know players that aren't having a good season. But there'll probably be some differences. So just keep that in mind as we go forward, people. Sorry, sorry about that. I had to preface it. All right. So my first movie, or the worst movie of the eight that have been made, because I'm including Rogue One, and obviously we can't include the Last Jedi. But I have high hopes for it. I did, uh, in my honorable mentions, I did Joe Harris, Last Jedi, uh, Trevor Booker, Rogue Two, and Jared Allen. Rogue uh, Shadows, Two? Sh- Shadows of the Empire Nintendo 64 game. <laughs> which I ride pretty hard for. It was a red cartridge, which I, I think was a red cartridge, which well, was amazing. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Attack of the Clones, I think, is uh, the worst Star Wars movie. I don't know if you agree. Um, my Attack of the Clones on the Nets this season, in terms of grading system, is Timothy Mozgov. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of obvious. He's getting DNPs. He's getting paid a ton of money. Uh, he was the bitterness that had to be swallowed to get D'Angelo Russell's onto the nets. Um, he is the attack of the clones. I wanted to make him the Phantom Menace uh, because he's sort of Jar Jar Binksy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm being true to the format here, Brian. And I didn't yeah. want to fudge it. So, so he's my attack of the clones. Not being true to the format, I went with... <laughs> I went with Alan Crabb. Beautiful. Um, and I did that because there's, that's the movie I think the, the least about. Like, I just don't. That's just, like, e- the most easy to forget. Um, I don't seek them out. I'll, I could be watching it for 30 minutes on TNT and, and, and then not really know what I'm watching or care. Um, <laughs> so Alan Crabb is having, like, a bad season so far. Is there – do you have hope that this guy's going to turn it around at any point? Or is that – or what are we thinking about Alan Crabb right now? Because it's a big – I mean, he was, you know, he is ostensibly a big part of the future picture here. Does not seem like someone you want to be relying on that heavily going forward. Well, he's my next one up, Phantom Menace. So, so I have Mozgov at uh, Phantom Menace, so we, we flipped it. 
And I think what's interesting is that the I'm not saying there has to be hate for Alan Crabb, right? Like we don't need to be people don't need to be tweeting at him and being like, "Why are you on this team?" Right, which is why I chose because Phantom Menace is hated, right? Like you, I kind of like people hate Mozgov, yeah. Which is like I get it, you can under, understandably hate him. It's hard to hate Attack of the Clones. You just don't. It just doesn't come up. And it's Alan Crabb is. Um, I feel like if Marx didn't have as much goodwill as he has, people would be talking overall in the NBA about how bad the Alan Crabb contract is. Alan Crabb himself hasn't been different than what he was in Portland. He's not shooting as well from three. He, he was, what, second in the league last year at 44%. This year he's at, I think, around 40%. That's not that big of a deal. He's shooting more threes. I'm sure his shots, the profile of his shot is harder this year than having to play with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum in Portland. But, like, when we talked before the season, the hope was that Alan Crabb would come onto this team and his game would be expanded in certain ways. He would get new opportunities and he would become – a pretty decent score. Like, that was the goal. He's been essentially the same guy. He's the same player he was in Portland, less efficient, more volume. He, I think I think we said going into the season, we had a bit where, like, what would be deemed a disappointment? And I think we both agreed under 15 points would be disappointing for Alan Crabb, given the amount of minutes and opportunities he's going to get. Guy's averaging 12 points right now. Um and like, in, 20, in 27 minutes, and that's a fair amount of time to be playing. Uh, he just doesn't He just doesn't have big games. He had one 25-point game against Golden State, um, and and that's I, – I, I, mean, I can't even find another 20-point game. Uh, he just doesn't have big games, and, and that's kind of what you were expecting. I would, I, I, it's not that I'm expecting you know, 15 points consistently day in, day out, but the occasional you know, get, catch fire, hit six threes, have a 30-point game, I was expecting a little bit more of that. 100%. Uh, it, yeah. And I, again, we, we don't think about the salary cap that much because there's not like a grand future where they need to be angling for free agents at the moment. He's taking up a ton of salary cap space. They assumed his contract and got basically nothing back for assuming that contract. They got the Nets got rid of Andrew Nicholson, who is more dead weight than, you know, anyone in the league, maybe besides Mozgov and Luau Dang. But. Like, Crab is a disappointment, for sure. There's no yeah. question that he's a disappointment. So he's my fan of Menace, He's and Mozgov is your fan of Menace. Yeah, Mozgov is just like, the more you think about it, the worse it gets. It just sets a bad tone for the future. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm just thinking about, like, the Phantom Menace. Could you imagine, like, being, you know, a, you know our age, really waiting for a new Phantom, uh, a new Star Wars trilogy, and the that's the first one of the trilogy. You're like, <laughs> oh, my God, <laughs> this is going to be... A total disaster. A rough ride. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and that's even why I, I put him as my Phantom Menace and Alan Crabb was because there this is big budget thing, of course, like the right. movie. And there was this delayed um, gratification. Like you'd waited all these years to get the movie The Phantom Menace. You'd waited a year to get Alan Crabb on the nets. And when they get there, it's just sort of like, oh, this isn't, this isn't great. Alan Crabb's better than The Phantom Menace, but he... Is my Phantom Menace or your Attack of the Clones? Um, yeah. Number six on my list is Revenge of the Sith. I think mm -hmm. that's pretty obvious. Um, Karis Avert is my Revenge of the Sith, Brian. And let me explain, okay? Um, there's a weird sort of thing that's happening with Revenge of the Sith that I think people kind of like, people want to have the take that it's not that bad of a movie. Like, people want to look back on that film and be like, you know what? That's not that bad. 
And I, I think there is some factor in it that gets couched in the two previous films in front of it. The Phantom Menace and the Attack of the Clones. You put that together in the trilogy and you, that makes that sinks Revenge of the Sith. So I understand that. And I think Karis LeVert's start to the season is like his Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. It is sinking his season. But in the mm. end, Karis LeVert is fine. Revenge of the Sith is worse than fine. But there's still a lot to be desired. And, and if we're going to go pure Star Wars here and not talk about the Nets, Revenge of the Sith should have been the best movie just in terms of like overall content of any yeah. of the films, just because you're, you're, you're getting Anakin going from good to bad. Um, right. That's the easiest thing to pull off in the, in the galaxy to make that a fun, interesting movie. <laughs> and it was horrible, but it's, it's better than the worst. It just isn't good. And I still don't <clears> consider <throat> Carousel Vert completely good. Cause you still have to account for the start to the season. So I went just, this is, Contextual again. I want Ronde Hulse Jefferson Revenge of the Sith because uh, he's the best of a, of the worst era. He's, Interesting. He's, Interesting. <laughs> he's worth like keeping it. around. Um, going into the season in the roundtable thing, I said a. I we talked about this. I said fourteen points per game would have been. Or uh, no, I said in the roundtable thing. I said twelve points per game would have been an awesome output for him and like twelve or seven rebounds or something. And we were like, whoa, that's a big step up. And then he's averaging 14 points per game. <laughs> he's become a better scorer than a rebounder or anything else, uh, which I don't think anybody would have thought. Um, he's the second highest scorer on this team. Uh, if I had told you that going into the season, you would have slapped me upside my head and been like, Brian, you're smoking meth again. And uh, yeah, so anyways, I so that's all just an aside. But the the, the Revenge of the Sith comparison is that, you know, Lionel, back to the Lionel Hollins era. Um, and then I did Karis Levert for Force Awakens. Um, and why is that? Potential there to launch something good, but the start has been a little bit rocky. I like that. Um, that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> yeah. I, I put Joe Harrison it just as a pure ranking standpoint. I put yeah. Joe. I, I think I put Joe Harris's season over Karis Levert so far just because Consistency yeah, expectations were way low for Joe Harris. I mean, right? E- expectations super low. Um, when Jer- when Joe Harris comes careening off that that uh, curl, like he, he comes speeding around, uh, I, that shot goes in for him at the top of the three point line. Like I just expect that to go in from now on. Comes well, comes raging in. And like so, yeah, he's basically a three point specialist. But we've talked about this. There's ball handling there. There's some skill. There's there's been times when he's had that shot open and then a guy comes charging at him and then he puts it on the floor and makes a play. He had like a bad game against Atlanta. I was watching the um, Atlanta Hawks feed of the uh, Hawks game and Dominique Wilkins was just hammering Joe Harris for being, he's like, he's a terrible (laughs) playmaker. He can't pass. He needs to only just be shooting threes. Like, dude, he's just having a bad game. Like chill out. He's like, it's fine. He's, he can do other things. Like stop, stop doing what you're doing, Dominique. I know what you're doing. I see you. Stop that. And maybe we need to do this ranking. Like, season when compared to valuableness like in terms of like joe harris being a good three-point shooter and being able to play 20 minutes a game is a very valuable thing for this team um he he has nothing to do with the force awakens in my book it's just that maybe joe harris looks like someone who'd be in a jj abrams tv show not even a movie but uh yeah joe harris said like just a nice season and that's a pretty big accomplishment for someone who is was not wanted in the league for the most part, you know, a year or two ago. So 
give me Joe Harris for Force Awakens. Who is your Return of the Jedi? So this was the hardest one for me, but I ultimately went with Dinwiddie because here's what I think of. This is this is going to be abstract, so go with me here. Please. But the Mets franchise has been uh, generally always had the benefit of having good point guards, uh, where the Knicks never have. Uh, I just think that that's a funny thing that the Knicks just haven't ever had a good point guard. Right. And then it's half. So, um, so even going back, you know, even from, from Kenny Anderson to Stefan Marbury to Jason Kidd to, if you want to count Devin Harris, he did have an all-star season there. So I'll count him to Darren Williams, who God ruined everything. Right. So that's like sort of like the downturn, the return of the Jedi. If the Jedi is the, is the point guard position, uh, <laughs> it seems to be Dinwiddie is ready to break out and he is slowly gaining, uh, like regaining his identity of himself. Um, and it's really magical to watch a guy come back with like superpowers and he's coming into Job the Hutt's uh, little floating base thing. And he's like, you know, <laughs> moving things around. And it's <laughs> and this is really uh, it's just nice to see like a an adult fully like, you know, fully evolved version of uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, so that's I'm just going like really keying in on the Luke Skywalker comparison coming back <laughs> in Return of the Jedi. I mean, I even like so I did the same sort of uh, Damari Carroll just. You know, mm-hmm. he was this bad, damaged asset that was in Toronto that was dumped right on us, unlike the movie. I'm not saying that the movie was that way, but literally in the title, Return of the Jedi, Damari Carroll has risen from the ashes and is a pretty nice contributor for this team. I think Zach Lowe wrote about him in his 10 Things, I think, um, you know, or whatever he calls it now. Um, he's He's a pretty good player. He's a top four player on the Nets. For a salary dump where the team got a first-round pick, even though it's going to be a, a not a great first-round pick, that's valuable. And we talked about it before, but his trade value is going to be pretty high next season if he can keep playing at this level. And yeah. he's my return of the Jedi. My So, so yes, what are you going to say? You next? went Dinwiddie Rogue One, didn't you? I went uh, Dinwiddie no. Rogue Yes, yes. Did you? So we've been flipping him. We've just gone flipping because I went Damari Carroll Rogue One. Um a Why is he a rogue one? Surprisingly good in in every way. One of the, <laughs> a a you wouldn't think it, but kind of a standalone film in the way that Demar Carroll is a standalone player. He's got more, way more skills. Is way better than we I would have anticipated. I was I had very low expectations for Demar Carroll. I mean, like like I, I just wanted him to play, you know, m- like more than sixty games if possible. Uh, and he has like tons of skills. He does. He doesn't make mistakes. He's great. He's like an awesome player to have on the team. Like I love. I love Demari Carroll. And, and it's sort of like the the Rogue One, the movie itself. It matters a lot, of course, because it it, it is the connective tissue between three and four. It gets the right. the plans to the rebels for the Death Star. But it doesn't really matter. Like the people in the movie, they're done. We know that they're right. gone. And Demari Carroll essentially like. You know, we understand that he's probably not going to be on this team when the Nets win an NBA championship. No. He's an isolated he's the connective figure. Tissue. He's, the, he's the sacrificial. Uh, what the? But we're having a good time with it, right? Like we're having a fun time. We're right. enjoying he will, this. He will this run, a nuclear holocaust that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great while it lasts. Um, yeah. So Dinwiddie's my Rogue One because it's like sort of came out of nowhere. Totally awesome. I love yeah. him. Um, even like Dinwiddie's like sort of path through the NBA was jagged, like the way the Rogue One's production. If you don't know, there was one director, and then they brought in Tony Gilroy to do reshoots of the movie. That again, if you do that, like the path that Dinwiddie took, you'd be like, oh, this isn't going to turn out that well. 
Well, it's turning out pretty damn. It turned out pretty damn well for the movie. It's turning out pretty damn well for Spencer Dinwiddie. Just some quick stats for you, Brian. I think everyone knows this, but just to reiterate, Dinwiddie is second in the league in assisted turnover. Major stat, a stat every coach cares about. He's behind Chris Paul. I would remove Chris Paul as the leader just because he's only played eight games, and I want Dinwiddie to be number one. So I'm removing Chris Paul, and I'm making Dinwiddie the leader in the league in assisted turnover. 39% from three, underrated. The fact that he's a 6'6 point guard who is, does not turn over the ball and can shoot threes. That is a 15-year career vet, if I've ever heard one. Amazing we, deal. We what? got into it on Twitter with some some random... Uh, <laughs> bring him some, up. Some he's random dude. He's been banished. They I mean, removed like, his account on Twitter. So we were just basically saying, like, you know, he came in guns blazing about and just being, like, flat out wrong about a couple things. Um, but that the Spencer Dinwiddie is not worth a first round pick is just incorrect. It's just, just, it's not, it's not, is he worth a first round pick? It's a first round pick and what else? Yes. Exa- I mean, it, it's, I mean, of course, every we got, team, we got, we got, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, we traded for a first round pick for crying out loud. Every team loves their player. Every team's fan base loves their players more than like, than that it is rational. But I'm sorry, like Dinwiddie's worth at least a first round pick. He just is. It's just a, plays that's the most normal. covetable position. He has one of the most covetable stats, which is assist to turnover ratio. Plus, you add two three pointers a game. He's like a real unique player. Something that everyone wants: a large point guard who can who can score and and dime. Like he's like one. He plays one of the most covetable positions in basketball right now. All right, a new hope, Brian. D'Angelo Russell, I think yes. if you're not picking that, you're crazy. Um, I'm with you. It's just that we're at the part of the movie right now where like Han Solo like went by himself and everyone's a little bit sad, uh, <laughs> but he's gonna he's gonna come back in a couple in a couple weeks and it's gonna be all like he's gonna come you know screeching in and firing at Luke's father and yeah, uh, yeah winning the day. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell. He, I mean, like so. even the title, of course, A New Hope right. is D'Angelo and say um, no more. He was awesome. Empire's he's been awesome this year. I mean, he's been hurt, but he was he's when he played. Awesome. He's, he's been, been hurt, but he is going to come screeching in and just, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be lit, as the kids say. It's going to be lit AF, dog. <laughs> All right, Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, the best movie of any of the Star Wars movies. Um, you know, one of the best movies of all time. Brian, who is um, your so? Empire? I want real context on this. Okay, so you should probably. I'll go first because then you'll end on a on a better note. Sure. So I want Jeremy Lin on this because um, the future is very uncertain for him. There's been a lot of bad news recently. It's it leaves in turmoil. There's a feeling of of um, yeah, just a feeling of pervasive uncertainty. Um, so it and it leaves you like I love that movie too. I mean, I love Jeremy Lin, and it makes me feel sad that things are the way that they are right now. And I hope, I hope that everything's going to work out. I hope Han Solo gets out of the carbonite. I hope, I hope he gets a robot hand or knee or whatever it is, and like comes back and kills his father. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but things are not not feeling great right now. Uh, so that's just my like. I went all in on content. So sorry. Gotcha. I did. Ronde's my number one. Rondé is is absolutely the number one thing this season. I mean, like, obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie being really good at point guard is a huge deal for this team. D'Angelo, like, I think could confirm the trade that they made. It made it made worth trading Brooke Lopez, taking on Mozgov just to get D'Angelo Russell. I already say this. Watch any Brooke Lopez this season? It's getting tragic out there. Oh no, is it bad? Oh my God, it is. It breaks my heart, man. Like they just don't know what to do with him. I, I'm gonna go on the record and say I think Luke Walton sucks. I think he's a dumbass. Yeah, I don't. So I'm like, that's. 
I think he's like the media-friendly coach. The curse of the media-friendly coach is that they don't get analyzed the right way. And, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a ride-or-die Fitzdale guy. And I think yeah. Fitzdale's a better coach than Luke Walton, and somehow Fitzdale's out of a job. I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't speak that strongly. I never I never uh, I should. Yeah, I, I kind of love that hard that hard take you just took. But I, he's he's so he he um I listened to interviews with him, and I just think like it's just none of it is is what you want to hear. Like none of it sounds good to me. Um, Ronde has just been awesome. It's been more than like you know sometimes guys will score you know whatever fourteen points a game. Because they hit one three and they'll put in a bunch of dunks and putbacks. But Rondé's been a guy that they've been able to throw the ball to. He can do his little turnaround jumper game. He scores individually of what other players are doing, which is a huge development for him. The the fact that he is not only a contributor but a valuable contributor is just massive for this team. Because like, I think we had a question earlier in the season of if you put a pool of players together. It would be like Rondé, Levert, uh, maybe a couple of other guys. Who would emerge out of that? The last guy you choose would probably be Rondé. And yeah. he's emerged the brightest, which, one, you hope you're happy for him because seems like a good dude and you want your team's players to be better, right? But also you hope this is indicative of the Kenny Atkinson sort of um, growth model, that they can take a guy like Rondé and that he evolves into a – something completely different from what he was when he was a rookie. I mean, he really is different. He's emphasizing his the strengths of his game, but he's different in that, you know, he is a go-to player in a way, yeah. certain portions of the game. So he's my Empire Strikes Back. And I'll give you one last one, a little special one. Uh, Jeremy Lin is my scuttled Boba Fett movie that was supposed to be directed by Josh Trank. That never happened. Basically, Jeremy Lin's season. We talked about it a lot, like the Boba Fett movie. But it just never happened. So that is my. I, I feel bad about what I said about Luke Walton there because here, let me, let me. I want to reprise that conversation because I feel bad, and he, he may never come on our pod now, Brian. I think. Integrating Brooke Lopez into a successful like offense has confounded more than a few coaches over the years, and so I don't, I don't like hold it against Luke Walton for doing it. But a guy that's averaged twenty points on fifty percent shooting his whole career, who's doing like nothing this year, thirteen points on 44% shooting, a little bit of that falls to you. I'm sorry. It just does. That's got to be you. All right. Well, that was that was the pod. <laughs> did you enjoy yourself, Mike? I did. Um, so the Nets go, and we'll talk about this when it happens, but the Nets go to Mexico. Very exciting. Um, I'm sure it'll turn out really well. All right. That's it, Brian. Do you want to do some uh, where to find us stuff? Oh, first of all, iTunes reviews. We love them, and they help so much, and it's the cheapest way to help the show you know, do some stuff. So if you would, five-star reviews really helps the show. We so appreciate it. You can find us on netsdaily.com, Almighty Baller Radio, at uh, BKGlukeGuys on Twitter is where you find us to connect and talk and social mediaize one another. Um, what else? What else, Mike? And we'll catch you on the flip side, brothers. Right. Bye, everybody. Take care.